0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of She Wakes Up. This week on our weekly wake-up call, we are waking up with Jerrica Hetty, and Jerrica and I met through a mastermind, which we'll talk about in the intro to this episode, but uh, this is a very raw, real, emotional, maybe even a little triggering for some as we talk about loss and grief and, um, you know, dealing with pregnancy complications and things like that, so I just want to preface this episode with that, but. Jerrica is so brave and she's done so much healing in herself that she is able to not just talk about it, but really help other women. She's got a podcast on her own called Grit and Gratitude, so make sure you go check that out. And it happens to be Jerica's birthday month when this airs. So June is Jerrica's birthday month. And so she doesn't just get one episode with us, but she gets two. So make sure that you slide into her DMs or shoot her an email and just wish her the very happiest of birthdays. Jerica is one of those that absolutely loves to celebrate her birthday. And it's an all-month celebration, which I think is phenomenal because we need to do more of that. We need to celebrate ourselves. And I think that's just super awesome that she takes the initiative to celebrate herself and goes all out. And I just absolutely love it. So without further ado, let's welcome Jerrica. And again, make sure to check out next Friday's episode. It'll be part two of what she's sharing with us. Welcome to She Wakes Up, a podcast where you are granted permission to rise above your past, crush your fear and self-doubt, and go after the future of your dreams. I know life has taken over and has driven you to a place where you feel lost and scared and you have no idea how you got here. You just feel stuck in your job, relationships, motherhood, all of it. I see you and you're in the right place. I'm your host, Stacey Feeling, and I'm so pumped to have you here. I've been where you are. I was lost in abuse, finances, anxiety, poor health, you name it. I was up and down for years trying to fix myself on the surface. What I found was the real damage in need of fixing came from the inside, and so it was. If this is you, come hang with me. Grab a drinky drink and maybe a pint of some ice cream because we are skipping the small talk and getting right to the juice. Cause girl, it's time to wake up. I am so thrilled to have you here. I just, um, the little backstory is I connected with Jerrica through our mastermind group, Keisha Fix Gerald. If anybody has followed her, listened to her, she's got her side biz school mastermind going on. And I just, I met with Jerica through there and her energy is fire. And when I reached out to you, she was like, um, yeah, let me tell you about myself. I love Target, Target, Target. No, but seriously, like I've got a story to tell and Right there, I knew that she was the right fit for this podcast because who doesn't love Target? But also, um, Jerrica, you have such a story to tell. And as a mother, I I mean, I don't even know where to begin with with your story, but having other women come on and share their testimony on the trauma that they've been through and how they were able to overcome that. I just really wanted to invite you on. So if you could just introduce yourself and let the listeners know who you are and kind of what brought you here today.
1: Yeah, Stacey, thank you so much, first of all, for having me here. This is such an honor. And um, like you said, my name is Jerica Hetty, and I am a mom, a stepmom, a wife, an entrepreneur. Um, I live in the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York. And I, you know, like you said, we connected through Keisha, which I'm internally grateful for her just, you know, following her own path and then leading the way for the rest of us behind her. Um But yeah, that's a little bit about me. I, you know, self-published my first book in November of 2019. And I just, like you said, I have a story to tell and I am at a place in my life where I am no longer afraid to share it.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Um, Well, before we get started, what is your book? Share it with the world.
1: Yeah. So my book is called 20 Gifts of Gratitude, A Guide to Gratefulness, and it's available on Amazon. um, And we can link that in the show notes for your listeners as well.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So what made you write your book?
1: Uh, um, If you ask anyone that has been around me for the past five or six years, they will tell you that I am the gratitude queen. And so a little bit of my backstory is that um, I have a very long and uh, traumatic fertility story. Um, And so... Back in January of 2017, we were like in the thick of our first couple of failed rounds of um, fertility treatments. And so I decided to take a break and to focus on something else. Um, I was at the time what I considered to be my rock bottom at that point and just needed to really find Who I was, I was getting ready to turn 30 that year. And so all of those emotions of, you know, turning 30 and not hitting the milestones that I felt like society was saying I should have met by that time. And So, I found gratitude and kind of started this gratitude practice and invited some women along on the journey with me. And fast forward to now, we have a Facebook community of almost 1,500 women. And, you know, in that group, we start every day with a gratitude post. And so it seems like a natural transition to write a book about a guide to gratefulness. Um, I've always wanted to write. I've been writing fiction and short stories since I was able to put pen to paper, literally. So um, yeah, it's a very lighthearted book. Um, Super easy, like table read. um, But yeah, so that's kind of how I got to write that book is um I've been living, breathing, and preaching gratitude since twenty seventeen and it was just a natural transition.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I'm a gratitude monger myself. I just yes. I feel like you cannot grow. And I've I've said this on my podcast, it's if you cannot appreciate the cup of coffee that you're drinking today, how are you gonna appreciate a million dollar home? You know what I mean? Like you've got to live that and preach that gratitude. So I just absolutely love that. And
1: yeah, you know,
0: I've had friends that have gone through IVF and I know the heaviness of that. And what a good place that you were able to just recognize that, you know what, I just need to step away from this right now. And I need to do something that's going to be, that's going to give me some positivity in that. And do you feel like practicing that gratitude had helped you through the heaviness of that and got you to, you know, the kind of the end of what that looked like for you?
1: Absolutely. Um, I've said it on social media numerous times, that gratitude not only changed my life, but it saved my life numerous times. Um, and practicing, creating my own gratitude practice and then, you know, getting so consistent with that, um, really did help me through what was at the time my rock bottom. Um, I never would have made it through that, um, initial round of IVF or the following, you know, five years after that, um, if I didn't have that gratitude foundation. And so, yes, for sure. I changed as a person, um, I swear, like, on a molecular level, (laughs) like, I am not the person that I was pre-gratitude practice, Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely life-changing.
0: Yeah, and something that you had said to me is that trauma is different for everybody, but the principles are the same, and I really wanted to have you expand on that and what you meant by that, because I just thought that was such a beautiful thing sentence that you had given me. And it's so true that there's trauma of all variations, but the principles are the same. And so I would love for you to go in as much detail as you're comfortable with on what happened for you and expand on what you meant by what I just said.
1: Yeah. So, um, I'll just dive right into the next part of my story. So, um, after, January that was January 2017 that we really initially started our um, infertility treatments and it didn't start with IVF right off the bat. Um, My husband is retired military and so what comes with that is government insurance and so um, as you all will remember in that time frame, we had a change of government officials at a federal level. And so with that came new regulations and new things that were not going to be covered for retired military, one of them being fertility treatments. So we were paying out of pocket for all of this stuff. And, you know, we've all heard the crazy amounts of money that go into infertility and it is not a lie. Um, when I think back on how fast we were trans um, like transitioning money uh, it's really really insane to think how we even managed it um, because we had no insurance coverage whatsoever so when we started we started with like the lowest, Things and we kind of gradually worked up to IVF. Um, When we started IVF, we live in New York State. Like I said, so January of 2020, um, there was new regulations that um, jobs with more than 100 employees they would cover three rounds of IVF and there was all kinds of red tape around that, but that was a really big step in the right direction for us. And at the time I was working in corporate America. And so I fell in that category of being um, covered. So then that's when we moved to IVF and being covered really means that you can go to the doctor. It doesn't cover any of the meds which the meds oh, are yeah. are dollars $30,000. I cannot even believe I'm saying that out loud. So what was covered was the actual like walking through the door, oh. saying hi to the nurse and the occasional doctor visit um, and like the procedures happening inside those doors, but nothing else. So we were spending at one point, between a thousand and two thousand dollars a week on different medications, and it's everything is so time sensitive, you know, so it changes every day, and then you never know what your protocol is going to be until you're in it. Yeah. And so, there was a lot of outside stress. Um, I was still working a corporate 40 hour nine to five job, and then still trying to fit all of you know this stuff in and balance it all while being, you know, a wife and a stepmom and just living everyday life, right? <laughs> um so gratitude played a huge part um in that ch- chapter of my life because I needed to stay grounded and that was the only way that I knew how to stay grounded was to remain grateful for those things like you said that little cup of coffee the fact that my boss at the time was so um supportive and would let me flex my time so as long as as I hit my hours at work for the week it didn't matter you know if I was coming in late or you know leaving early or all all these things and so it worked out great and another way that I remain Grounded through that was I started to share my story online, and I kind of used my Facebook page and my Instagram at the time as like an online journal. So whatever was happening, um, you know, these random thoughts or whatever I was going through in the moment, I would just put up a random Facebook post, and nine times out of 10, I never even looked at the comments. And this is something that I still do. Um, So I would just say what was on my heart, and then I would just leave it. Um, And I knew even then that it would be something that looking back on, I could use. And so I knew enough to like put it out there so that it was there because I, I wanted to be able to come back and, you know, kind of see the, the evolution of the story. So. Um, yeah. So January of 2020, all of those things changed and our contract with the fertility clinic that, um, we were, contracted with our contract was up in june of 2020 and so we all know what happened march of 2020 right and so at the beginning of the pandemic it was like okay we have a decision to make because they were calling and saying we have no idea what's going to happen we've never lived worked through a global pandemic um so you have a choice to make you can start another round and we will try to get you as far in that round as possible. But we don't know if we'll have to stop, you know, in the middle or whatever. Um, Or you can try to hold off and we also don't know how long this pandemic is going to last. And so we were like, okay, what do we do? And on top of that are contract, like I said, was up in June. So what that meant was as of July 1st, we would have to start paying rent for whatever embryos were left, um, which was an additional like $750 a month for them to remain in the freezer. And so we're in this pandemic. So now, um, right before the pandemic, I had actually quit my job. The plan was to take the summer off, um, go to Europe, write another book, and to take my own podcast and my own business and kind of get it running. And so um, here I was, freshly unemployed. Now we're in a global pandemic. My husband, um, his job was considered essential, so he got to stay at work. And so we had a tough decision to make. And we had two embryos left at the time. And they were the worst two embryos of the last retrieval that we had. So they were graded fair and poor. And so we decided to like go for our Hail Mary, like this is our last attempt. We're going to transfer both of these embryos at the same time. And whatever happens, happens at this point. Now we were what is that? Six, four years, in, five years in. And so um, May 18th of 2020, uh, we went in for our last transfer and we transferred both of the embryos, both embryos took. So um, within six days, I knew that I was pregnant. And within 10 days, I knew that I was pregnant with twins. Oh my goodness. I, Yes. And so then we were like, whoa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, be careful what you wish for. <laughs>
1: okay. So like you guys told us that these embryos were basically no good. And now you're telling me that they both stuck and I'm pregnant with twins. And so after the initial shock was over, we were obviously over the moon, um, thrilled. And, you know, I had a fairly decent pregnancy the first half of my pregnancy and then towards um the second half like right around October um so I was due February 3rd but with twins you know they told me like you're due February 3rd they can come as early as Christmas so anytime in between there so right around October um I started having some complications And I ended up being hospitalized twice. And so the first time I was hospitalized, we did all of the like preemptive stuff with the NICU. So at the time, I I think I was like 20, 23 weeks the first time I was hospitalized And so we had to, you know, make some really tough decisions about, you know, if they needed to take the babies, what we wanted to happen after that. And, you know, we had to talk about a game plan for the babies and survival rates and all these things that you never want to think about um, as a mom. And so we had to have some really hard conversations with some really high up people. And, you know, we signed all the paperwork, we did all the things so that if worst case scenario became our reality, everything would be in place. So we made it past that. And so our first, um, you know, big thing after that first initial hospitalization was to get it, make it to 25 weeks and so when we made it to 25 weeks we had like a little celebration at home for dinner because we were like okay the chances of both of them surviving are so much greater now at 25 weeks and you know so then every week after that was just like another cause for celebration right and even just looking back at my gratitude journal from that time i mean i was just every day So grateful that I was still pregnant. So grateful that, you know, both of the boys were so healthy and like, you know, we were making it. And I had made up in my mind that I needed to make it to 36 weeks, right? Come hell or high water, we were not having babies until 36 weeks. And so I was hospitalized again at 33 weeks and that hospitalization stay lasted about nine days. And so you have kids, so you know what it's like to be pregnant. It is wild. Pregnancy during a pandemic, is there are no words. And so when I was in the hospital for those nine days, um, because I was not in active labor, My husband was not allowed in the hospital at all. So the hospital I was at is about two hours from where we live. And I was there all alone for nine days. And it was absolute torture. It was absolute torture because, you know, I was being checked, the babies were being checked every two hours. And we were doing all of these tests. I was hooked up to all of these machines for over a week. And, you know, I'm FaceTiming my husband from the hospital bed because he's not allowed to come and see me. And so it was very, very stressful. And, you know, one of the things that they tell you when you're pregnant is to not stress. And so it was just... A a really big oxymoron. Um, So that was 33 weeks. And I actually celebrated 34 weeks while I was at the hospital. And leaving there, I was like, okay, two more weeks. Like, we got to make it two more weeks. But I, like, had this moment where I was like, can I just stay here? Like, because I was so scared that I wasn't going to make it. And this was the beginning of December. I live in upstate New York where it snows feet at a time. And I just told you that this hospital is two hours from where I live. And so I was kind of like, can I just stay here? But the county that that hospital is in was having an uptick surge of COVID. And so they were actually moving NICU patients around to make a new COVID unit. And so they were like, you have to go home. Like you can't stay here. And so I went home and that week was the week of Christmas. So we made it through Christmas and we made it through New Year's and my C-section was scheduled for January 14th. So my water broke January 8th. And I had Jax at 6.04 that morning and Grayson at 6.05 that morning. So we were 36 weeks and two days. Absolutely floored, right? We made it. And like, so I felt like in that moment, I could finally breathe. Like, I felt like I had been holding my breath for nine months at this point And I could finally breathe. And I was so grateful for that. Like I had two healthy boys. Um, we stayed, they did great. I was a mess. So I ended up with like pre-eclampsia and all this stuff. So oh. we stayed in the hospital for me, not for them. And so, you know, we ended up staying like four days cause I had them on a Friday. They don't let anybody go on the weekend. And so we left like Tuesday morning. And so They did so great. So we come home and we're transitioning to having these two precious babies and they were super small um, because I was four weeks early. So I was due February 3rd. I had them January 8th and um, yeah, we had a great, you know, week and a half at home. And uh, then I'm an avid Bills fan. And so the Bills actually made it to the playoffs, which was like the first time in 20 years (laughs) that year. Um, So we, (laughs) so we actually, I had them on a Friday. The first playoff game was that Saturday. So the three of us watched the playoff game together. And then the next playoff game was January 24th. And so we were at home and we're watching the game. The game's, going okay. The bills are up. And um, my husband, Trevor was feeding Jacks and I was feeding Grayson and the boys ate well. They went to sleep. Grayson was the smaller of the two. And so we had been doing uh skin to skin with him. And so I was holding him on my chest and watching the game and I don't really remember what happened on the TV screen, but in an instant, I felt that he was not breathing. And so I looked down and I realized that he in fact was not breathing. And I just remember saying, Trevor, he's not breathing. And I don't really remember anything after that. Um, He called 911. I vaguely remember them saying, Uh, we can't find an ambulance crew, which I live in the sticks. And so our emergency EMS and all that stuff is volunteer. And so I remember hearing them on the phone saying like, we can't get an ambulance crew. We can't get it. We can't find a crew. Um, The sheriff that came to our house actually transported him to the closest emergency room. And Um, a neighbor came and drove me to the hospital so that Trevor could stay with our other baby. And so we went to the hospital and they worked on him for about 65 minutes before I said, um, that's enough. And uh, they, uh, um, it's a hospital where they're not, they did the best that they could with what they have. Um, but they don't have a NICU. They don't have anything like that. And of no fault of anything that happened that night, Grayson actually did pass away. Um, his um, autopsy showed that he had a small hole in, hole in his heart that was missed um, numerous times because I was pregnant with twins and he was constantly hiding behind his brother. So um, there's all these things that kind of like transpired after that. um, So when, just when I thought that I could finally breathe, um, the wind was knocked right out of me. And so 2021, I have started referring to as my year of survival. I cannot tell you how I made it. Um, I can just tell you that I did. I'm so grateful for the community that I have on social media for my family, because, you know, they say that it takes a village to raise a child. And that is so true. Um, But it definitely takes a village to keep a mom sane. And so my village, both um on the internet and in real life are the reason that i am here telling you this story today um i have no words honestly i i don't know how it happened but it happened and like we're here and so throughout all of last year i just remember thinking if i can just write down what I'm feeling in this moment. I can come back to it later. And so I want to encourage anyone that is listening to this podcast episode that if you are so stricken by grief and you are in this place where you literally don't know which way is up, if you could just write how you're feeling in that moment and then that's it. Like, don't try to process it. Don't try to, you know, figure out what's heads and what's tails. Just be present enough to acknowledge what you're feeling in that moment and then just let it go. Because if I were to have, you know, tried to process everything as I was going through it, I would have drove myself insane. And so I didn't really practice any gratitude last year. If I'm being completely honest, um, I didn't really, I couldn't see anything to be grateful for. I couldn't see anything. Um, when you lose a child, it is so hard, but to lose a child while also trying to care for another child it is like mind boggling because here, you know, I had these two babies and so every milestone that Jack's hit became a milestone that Grayson missed. And so I found myself in this space between grief and gratitude where I'm like, I don't even know how to, love this baby and grieve this baby at the same time. And there are no manuals. There are no, you know, there's no manual for parenthood anyways. And so there's definitely not a manual for this space that I found myself in. And I didn't know where to turn or who to talk to because even people that I have that are super close to me that have lost children have lost they they had one and they lost one they didn't have two and lose one at like in the same time frame and so I didn't know like what I was doing or where to turn and so I just started writing because writing has always been so therapeutic to me and I knew that even if I wasn't writing things that i was grateful for in that moment that i would be able to come back to that moment and see find the things to be grateful for in that moment
0: all i heard you say this entire time and um as a parent i can't imagine what you have gone through and overcome but um so much strength, Jerica, and oh. it's just that I heard you from the very beginning of your story is preparedness, and you may not have realized that you were preparing this, this whole practice of gratitude and that NICU prep that you had, you know, anticipating worst case scenario still didn't prepare you for what you went through but at the same time it was preparing you for where you are now and overcoming the things that you thought were going to be impossible and really like you had been working through all of that from the very beginning yeah and what an amazing what an amazing story but an amazing advice to offer somebody that, you know, back to that statement that I put about how trauma looks different, but the principles are the same is that you have to grieve. You have to feel your emotions. You have to let yourself do that and you don't need any sort of justification around it. You just need to do that for you to to process your emotions,
1: Absolutely. but to
0: be able to be strong enough to know I can release this. I can let this out. I can journal about it. And then when I am ready to revisit that and really wholeheartedly process that, I have it there. Not only that, but it's like a memoir of your journey. Yeah. What a beautiful full circle, no matter what it is that you have gone through, that trauma piece of being able to allow yourself to take that step back, grieve when you need to, put this aside until you're ready to revisit it, I think is such a beautiful thing and Wow, what a transformation for not only you, but everybody else that's listening to this that has ever had to go through similar. All right. Before we go today, I just want to remind you that this episode is to be continued. Jerika's story will continue next week on Friday with part two. So make sure to catch that. And again, like I said, this is her birthday month. So make sure that you send her all of the happy birthdays and the good vibes and, all of the emojis to make sure to celebrate her and help her feel as wonderful as she is. I've also left all of her information in the show notes. So if you want to reach out and connect with her, that's where you will find the information. All right. I will talk to you all next week and see you for part two back here next Friday.